Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sanderlanch. This week, we are covering Mistborn, The Final Empire, chapters 18 and 19. In these chapters, Vin goes to her second ball, which goes about as strangely as her first one did. And then uh, we get to see what Kelsier does of an evening as he searches for a place to dump a body. I am Data, and with me is... Jack. Jamie. And Joe. So let's get into it. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. My revolution carries me in a moment lost in time. My revolution sets me free. I will flow across the lines. Bring them the brother in me. I'm searching for you. Okay. And uh, so this week, the chapters were a little bit not quite as crazy as last week's, but I thought they were pretty fun. What did you guys think of them overall? Yeah, I I really um, enjoyed the first chapter. And then the second chapter kind of made me anxious, filled with a little bit of anxiety for the for the team. Mm -hmm. I felt like not a whole lot happened, but at the same time, we got a lot of information um, in these two chapters, and there was something specific that was said kind of in passing that I was I, I'm reading on a Kindle. So I'm not sure if it was a typo or if it was meant to be there and kind of just thrown in. But it refers it's something that they refer to Renault as. Um, oh, yeah. When it says. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, when we too. get there. Yeah. OK. Yeah. No, I thought these chapters were good. It's very both of them are very mired in house politics from very different angles. Mm. Um, so it's just like, oh, this is this is the Game of Thrones portion of the book where everyone's spying on each other and trying to get information and whatnot. But it was fun. Something that something has happened, like it sort of happened in this chapter, and then listening to the, the our older episodes sort of cemented it. Uh, Sazed is really just starting to remind me of Shepard Book from Firefly. Totally see that. Yep. That's just something that's sort of come out in like it's just hit me in these chapters. So that's that's sort of. Maybe not how I'm picturing him, but I'm definitely how I'm hearing his voice. Very calm influence. I, I can totally see uh, how you would you could picture them sounding the same. Yeah, but also you know talking about belief all the time. Just generally not offensive to anyone as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel like Shepherd Shepherd Book is offensive to Mal in the show, just existing because <laughs> Mal's like distaste for religion after the first episode. Much like the keepers to the Lord Ruler, I guess. I was going to say, much much like, says to Vin, because he's always trying to sell her on religion, she's like, I don't care, why? <laughs> yeah. She's always willing to listen, it seems like, though. She's like, okay, fine, tell me about another one, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I liked seeing Vin a little bit more confident at the ball and seeing a few more interactions with other nobility. I thought that was pretty cool and yeah just watching her find out information and that that was a bit of fun and I actually really enjoyed in the second chapter we read with Kelsia you know causing trouble but not it, previously it's sort of been his breaking into places and disturbing the peace that way but watching him find more information and do a bit of sleuthing you know was was pretty cool I liked that he was sussing out you know what um what people knew, and then doubling as an informant to venture. I just thought that was really clever. I really liked it. So It was very, it was very funny how he kept stealing the other guy's lines to use yeah. himself. <laughs> he was like, actually, that works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Definitely more subtle yeah, than we see Kelsier most of the time. 
Yeah, and he did what that informant did. It's like even though Kelsey was feeding the informant fake information, he used being an informant to get information from Lord Venture. So I thought that was pretty pretty smart. Yeah. It's kind of good to get – we're starting to get a bit of an insight of what the other side feel – like maybe not how they feel about the Lord Ruler and, and things like that, but what their – uh, impression of what's going on like they they know something's going on but they can't quite figure it out yet so it was, it was nice to sort of see a little bit of like their journey coming together in the same timeline hmm. and we got to meet straff venture which was on Dak's list of like uh, this is strange that we haven't met this guy yet yeah but okay so i guess uh Let's get started into this. The first bit, as usual, is the uh, epigraph here. And it's really just more of a continuation on the last few. Like, we've, we're getting kind of a miniature life story on this guy who's writing these. And he's talking about how the circumstances forced him to leave home and uh, he'd be dead if he hadn't. And I just, like, I'm slowly coming to understand that anonymity has already been lost to me forever. Whereas we know from the other parts of the journal that we've read that this guy is already the hero of ages and he's going to go on he's, he's on this adventure to defeat the deepness or whatever and so the fact that he's like i just figured out that i, I can't be like an anonymous person is kind of funny sort of feel for the guy a bit it's like uh that, that's everyone always dreams of becoming the hero but with becoming the hero becomes publicity you don't get your private me time anymore yeah he's he's being forced to you know take over kingdoms and go on adventures in the mountains with pacman who don't like him and stuff Guys, a lot I of downtime. I just, I just want a quiet night at home watching TV. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Come on, Desperate, Desperate Housewives is on. But it feels what like if uh, if this guy has become the Lord Ruler, we don't see the Lord Ruler doing a lot of stuff. He apparently hangs out in the palace and doesn't do much. So maybe he got there eventually. Maybe, yeah, it's just, it's just him hanging out with the Inquisitors. It's like, uh, all right, cool. All my sort of line guys are hanging around. <laughs> Yeah, at their barracks building, he goes there every three days to hang out with them. That's what we decided, right? So, <laughs> drinks tonight with the spike faces. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta come up with a better name for them. <laughs> <laughs> with the spike faces, maybe, uh, maybe he would call them inquisitors. What he actually named them to begin with. Yeah. I like the idea that he he, he doesn't like, <laughs> He's like know their so names. Formal. He's just come like on, spiky, spiky pointy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Piffles, whatever. <laughs> Pointy Joe was my nickname in high school. Okay, if you say I'm so. Gonna get into not we're not delving more into that. Just nope. <laughs> Zooming right, right past it. Uh, it turns out that everyone was right. She decided to wear the red dress. So points all around. Woo! Whose line is it anyway? Points where the points don't matter. But uh, will you throw us hundred dollar bills like that one episode? Did they do that in an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? They sure did. That's that's impressive. No, I will not. <laughs> it's all the budget allowed for. Yeah. Uh, so Vin's going back to the party. Or back to a party. This time it keep Alarial. Which is weird to me how, how similar some of these house names sound. It's kind of hard to keep track of them all. There's ten I great imagine, houses. So I imagine it's probably a case of, you know, as as the descendants come past, like they might split off and form their own sort of branches of houses, and they'll take mm-hmm. a slightly, a slightly variant name for the like cadet branch of the house, and then eventually it becomes its own separate thing to the point where people just don't remember they were together to start with. I'm sure that's probably right. It remind, reminds me of that that bit from 
wise man's fear where they're talking about how like the lackless house turned into all these different names in different parts oh, of yeah, the yeah, country. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure yeah, you're right though. Thing. And Vin Vin gets there and she's feeling a little bit self-conscious because of all the other noble women looking all perfect or whatever. I, it's just such a such a weird line that's kind of dancing around. And she's like, they filled out the upper portions of their dresses. It's like, okay, uh, Vin's a little bit self conscious there. It's okay, which is funny because up till now she's like, no, I like looking like I'm too young to even be 16, and you can mistake me for a boy. It helps me stay kind of under the radar. Yeah, but she's never really had to wear a dress before, so this is all True. like, oh, I like wearing the dress, but I don't quite have the figure to fill it, whereas they do. And she realizes that she's not wearing the same kind of shoes as everybody else because they're all wearing high heels. She's very rightly is like, uh, no, you just learned <laughs> to dance. You don't need to do the heels yet. We'll get there maybe. Yeah, you don't really want to wear heels then. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, no. She doesn't understand that yet. Joe sounds like he's speaking from experience. He's like, oh, these heels. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah, you know me. No, I, I work with a lot of women that wear heels every day, and I'm, and they always have, like, blisters on their on their heels and stuff. And I'm like, why do you do that to yourself? And they're like, they look pretty. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I don't know why we do these things, but there is some sort of attraction in <laughs> – they look good. I'll deal with it. <laughs> do you have tellers at the bank who wear heels? That would be – I feel like no one's ever going to see their feet. That would be mean. Uh, not tellers. Uh, usually it's just, like, bankers and other people that, walk, that uh, sit at desks or walk around and stuff. That makes sense. Yep. So she's going, she sees the dancing and uh, she's actually kind of excited this time. And Sazed even points it out. He's like, you're not as nervous. You seem kind of excited. I think that's the proper attitude. And she, Sazed explains to her, you know, how she's supposed to get this information, which I feel like in the middle of the party is probably not the best time to be going over this, but whatever. (laughs) I had a whole carriage ride for this. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And then he even goes into the concept of, like, kind of dating, which she seems to be shocked by. She's like, wait, I would just sit with one guy the entire time? I guess it seems to be it seems to be that's kind of normal for the nobility is they kind of, like, set up dates for these kids going to these balls. At least if Ellen's experience is any indication. She's never gone steady, man. Leave her alone. (laughs) (laughs) She's still playing the field and there's nothing wrong with that. And then she's sitting here thinking, like, oh, I bet Ellen won't be here. Uh, he's not going to pay any attention to me even if he was here. And then all of a sudden, here comes Ellen Venture dropping stacks of books on her table and taking up the entirety of her one-person table with his books. With his thick books, as we said. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think of what Ellen is uh, playing here? Where he's just like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I just thought I'd sit with you. There's room for both of us here. I'm just going to sit here and read my books. I mean... He likes her. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Even if there is some small part of him that is using her, he obviously enjoys talking with her, being around her. Otherwise, he wouldn't bother. He finds he. I think he finds her interesting because she's different, and he doesn't know why, and he's trying to figure that out. And because he has no social skills, this is his method of doing so. He just walks in with a fucking library and just sits down at the, at the table with them all. It's just, it just seems like overkill. But what do I know? If you're going to bring books to a, uh, if you're going to read a book at a party, you may as well, you know, do it upright. <laughs> I, I guess it the, the um I, I was just thrown for a loop by how many he brought. I'm like, do you expect to read all of these in the few hours that you're going to be here? What are you, a speed reader? And he might yeah. be, I don't know. <laughs> it was confusing. I think... I think they kind of explain it where they were like, he's making notes in one and then cross-referencing a different one. And then, obviously, as we find out, he may have so, what, had he's doing more his bloody books. thesis? 
Yeah, I guess so. And then I, as we find out, he has like another book that he's trying to hide within his book. So it may have just all been a cover so that he could read that one book. I don't know. It sounds like he gives off this air of, you know, I don't really care about what's happening in noble society. And, you know, this is, it's all a bore to me and I'm just going to brush it off. But I think this kid's got a lot more going on than he wants anyone to know about. And he is a bit of a mystery. Like they were like, oh, stay away from him. You know, he's bad news or whatever. But he's got alliances with houses they didn't expect. And, you know, she's new and he's going to suss her out. And yeah, I don't know. There's there's more to this kid anyway. So you think maybe Kelsier has a point kind of at the end of this chapter when he's like, keep an eye on this says Maybe Lord Venture and his son are playing us all for fools. Could be. Okay. Interesting. Says has to take some books off the table to put on the floor just so there's room for Vin's dinner when it gets there. It's just this kid's kind of obnoxious, how, how, but it's funny. How gentlemanly. And then uh, Ellen kind of insults Says a little bit, and Vin just goes off on him, causing him to apologize. He's like, "Oh, this person actually cares about something. I'm sorry." Like how so like that's where he finally gets caught off guard. He's trying to project this like really casual. I don't care about any of these people. I'm above all of this bullshit. And then like he. Yeah, he, he, he talks last time about how, you know, people mistreat the servants and stuff like that, and then he just gives shit to her servant, and she's like, uh, no, you watch your fucking mouth. And he's just like, oh, shit. Okay, line crossed. Remember that? She really likes Sazed. So, we were talking earlier about not the like Sazed. Sazed is awesome. <laughs> That's a good point. Sazed is, Sazed is the MVP. Joe's, Sazed Joe's, is cool. Joe still thinks he might be a traitor, so. Yeah, I mean, you can still be cool and be evil. It's fine. Some of my favorite, some of the coolest characters in fiction are evil. That is true. to say some of your best friends are evil. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Some of my best friends are evil. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, they get into their, you know, sarcastic repartee back and forth. And then Ellen just uh, pops up. He's like, that's a stunning dress, by the way. It's almost as beautiful as you are. And then she stands there, sl- sits there slack jawed for a second. And there's like, you're doing this on purpose. Yeah, I like the part that says she her jaw literally dropped. It's just like, oh, okay. And then we find out that he actually has a date that he's supposed to be here with. Uh, she's sitting over there. It's this this woman is sitting over there, like, shooting death glances at Vin for stealing her important date. It's like, oh, good, we've entered the mean girls portion of the book. <laughs> we kind of have in this chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that. I, I really thought she was going to sit down and be like, you have to wear pink on Wednesday or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who has red to a bowl? Jeez. Who eats their whole dessert? I'm only eating half of mine. <laughs> so uh, Ellen's excuse is like, well, I didn't invite her. I wasn't even told who I was going with until I got in my carriage, which what a great excuse to just like diss some woman in front of all of the nobility, basically, at this party. <laughs> we got into the same taxi. It doesn't mean I have to be friends with her. And then when he gets up to get a drink, Sazed is like, okay, listen, this is bad. And Vin's like, what? No, I mean, you know, it's fine, right? And he's like, no, listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you have to understand that this guy doesn't actually like you. He's just trying to act like a douche and be a spoiled brat so that his father gives him whatever he wants. And it totally does hurt Vin's feelings because she's a teenager and she's got like this crush going on this guy. (laughs) She's like, whatever, dad. And she even thinks about it. She's like, I know that he's probably exactly right. Like, I understand the situation. I'm exactly what he needs. Someone low enough to annoy his father, but inexperienced enough not to see what's happening. And, you know, knowing logically that 
that makes perfect sense still doesn't make it not unpleasant for her. I was trying to think to myself, so Elan Venture really bothers me, and it wasn't until here that it sort of clicked to me why. And I think it's the fact that after all the others have had to go through, like Kelsier and Doxon and all the rest have had to do to get Vin to trust them, because that took fucking forever. Mm-hmm. Then you've got this one guy who starts hitting on her at a party, and within two dates she's already got a massive crush on him. And I was like, that seems way too easy. Like, the other guys had to be nice, good people to her for months before she really trusted them properly. And now this guy rocks up, and within two nights she's just like, oh, he's not that bad, he's a wonderful guy. And yeah. That's rubbing me the wrong way a bit, I think. She's changed so much, though, in the last, like, the few months that we've seen in the book. She's really, she is just trusting people and realising that the, not the whole world is, you know, out to get you. But, I mean, look at how old she is and, you know, you've you've well, fancied I'm... her up and, and, and gone to a ball and someone's paid her some sort of attention and this is completely new to her. But also she was like, uh, when she first met him, it was strange. Like, it's the first person that she's just been able to be herself with, not not the front she would put up with Cameron, not the front she would put up with Kelsia. Like, she was just the first time she'd actually been herself. Oh, yeah, so, like, I mean, you've never met a person that just makes you feel like that, you know? I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying that after all the other time with the other guys, it just seems like a bit of a, oh, of course, you're... Like you have a crush and you're throwing all your caution to the wind. I can see the frustration there, definitely. And yeah. what Jamie says makes a lot of sense. Oh, it totally does. Totally in character. It's totally realistic, and like, I, and I can totally understand when someone makes someone can make you throw caution to the wind a bit like that. I'm just saying, from a reader's perspective, it's kind of like a, uh, God damn it, this is going to end badly for you. Yeah. Yep. And it's, I mean, Sage is telling her, he's like, look, this is. This guy's messing with you, and you need to recognize this. And I think the unspoken message is there. It's like, it's going to be a lot worse at the end if you don't recognize what's happening now. Like, you may think this hurts right now, me trying to be honest with you, but it's going to hurt a lot worse later if you don't listen. Which is fair. That's that's kind of warning that adults are always trying to give to teenagers, I think, that they don't want to <laughs> listen to. I guess at this time, though, you, you there's more at stake than a broken heart. So... <laughs> Listen to Sazed. <laughs> Listen to Uncle Sazed. <laughs> well, and Kelsier later on. He's even... Well, well, we'll get there when we get there. But So Ellen is uh, sitting there reading, and she's like, well, let's see what he does if I don't interrupt him in his reading. So they've, they've got this little battle of will silently happening at the table as she eats her meal. Until finally, she wins, because he's like, why are you here, Valette? And they have kind of... Uh, I almost said an honest conversation, except every single thing she says is a lie. <laughs> about where she's from and how long it took her to get here and stuff. And they have, they sort of delve into, like, the Ska and how the Ska are treated here versus sub- at the plantation where she supposedly comes from. And she's, we, we find out later, at least, that she's taking this to mean, you know, this guy is, like, legitimately interested in the Ska and their well-being because of the kind of questions that he asks. And she almost, like, slips up in here and says too much but has to stop herself. I also like the moment where he's like, well, you know what the ministry teaches. And the next sentence is, she didn't. However, if it was regarding the sky, it probably wasn't flattering. So she has to bake her way through that. She's pretty good on her feet here. She is. You got to give her credit. Like, this is really – last time she didn't really have to interact with anybody except to tell people, no, I don't want to dance. And that one encounter with Ellen. So this time she's having – this is the first time she's having to act in character. And she does a pretty good job. 
he asks if the Ska are intelligent, and he's like, but not like you and me, right? And she's like, how would a noble woman respond to that? <laughs> no. No, they're not like you and me. He seems disappointed. Yeah. Ominous. And we find out that people have been watching and might want to ask Finn to dance, but they're being intimidated until uh, she basically has to, like, catch some guy's eye and be like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> come on, make, make this guy jealous. <laughs> Do you think that's that's what it does? Do, do you feel like when when she came back that he was actually jealous? Oh, I think a little, but he's but I think he's also self aware enough just to think, you know what, I brought that on myself. Because I mean, he he could have easily asked her to dance and didn't, so he's kind of just like, well, my bad. He kind of falls into her trap a little bit though, because because uh, she's like, I mean, I just told him since you're so much older than me that you're. You know, you're just looking out for me. And he's like, I'm not that much older than you. I'm only 21. <laughs> that is probably my favorite part of the chapter. Where it's just like, you know, she goes off and has this dance. And this young guy is, she finds out it's just as nervous as she is. Maybe more so. And also it's not uh, a good I dancer. thought that was a really, really lovely little moment there. It's just like, oh God, I'm going to get caught out by this guy. This guy doesn't know how to dance either. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably puts her at ease here more than anything else so she realizes some of these guys are like young and nervous more so than i am and they're not like secretly ska sneaking into this party so i can probably yeah. do this uh, she tries to bring up ellen with the guy and he's like i don't i don't, I don't know uh, i'm not important enough to know anything about him so she comes up with this excuse that you know oh yeah my uncle asked him to watch over me at parties it's so nice he's supposed to be introducing me around he's like an older brother to me and that opens the door for more people to come and ask her to dance now we get one one brief moment here where he's like, you're so graceful. You're not at all like Lady Shan said. Oh, I mean, nothing. <laughs> She's put you in the burn book. This person that Vin's never even met or seen at this point doesn't even know who they are, but apparently she's already kind of starting shit. Already got an enemy. Good job. Yeah. I mean, not that she could have helped it. No, I don't think there's anything she could have done. But yeah, when Ellen comes back, we get to the point that Joe was talking about where... Uh, Oh, after he tricks her into, like, saying something that he's like, are you asking me to dance? It's unladylike to ask a man to dance, you know. And uh, he's like, no, I told her that you're an older brother. And he's like, older brother? He's like, yeah, you got to be at least twice my age. <laughs> <laughs> at which point he's like, I'm 21. Unless you are a very mature 10-year-old, I am nowhere near twice your age. And her response of, I've never been good with math. It's fine. <laughs> it's just my favorite I interaction. I can't do basic subtraction. <laughs> and he asked she asked him about lady shan and he's like shan alarial who that's that's where we are tonight right keep alarial so i guess yes she's on her turf uh, and he's like oh she's nobody important and she's like seriously dude i've been doing this for two <laughs> months even i know that you can't get away with just that and it turns out that they're kind of maybe engaged maybe not so though. <laughs> <laughs> who is she nobody important i might marry her but she, i might be marrying her but she's she's not important so, yeah mm, okay well <laughs> and to be fair apparently his family's setting him up with dates with completely different women at the party of the woman that he may be engaged to like at her house so clearly the situation is kind of complicated but i feel like later they say several times that she is his like former fiance or ex-fiance they make it clear that like at some point, they ended something. <laughs> but he doesn't bring that up, and so it's like, I, I might be engaged to her. I actually don't know. I can't remember. 
all he says is we haven't really done anything about it in a year or so, so probably everyone's forgotten. <laughs> I, Except I, her. Either that's normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either that's normal in their culture, or I feel like he was just saying that, like he knows it's kind of over between them, but he was saying that to make her jealous back. I don't know. Maybe Luther Dill's just into polygamy. <laughs> maybe he actually just doesn't care about that. It's so. It seems to be important to his family that he date people or whatever, but he's just so not interested. And I think now he's interested in Vin, but, you know, I don't think they're at getting hitched level. It kind of fits yeah. the character that Kelsier and Saves has, and Renu have all laid out for Vin that this guy is. It's like he's this guy who just does crazy stuff and does what is not expected of him because he wants to piss off his father, basically. And so that's exactly the kind of thing that that person that they're describing would say it's like yeah you know my father set up this engagement with her but i you know what whatever i don't know there's probably nothing there or my father set up this date for me so i left her at a table by herself so that i could come over here and sit at the table of someone who will make her upset he's kind of fitting their description i feel like yep uh, and then vin gets a lot more dancing done uh, she to the point that she's turning on her pewter to kind of give her some strength to keep going of course, she is still kind of recovering from her injury, so it's maybe it's fair. Yeah, she's still recovering from the group rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody down on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she decides to pick up a book so that she can pretend to read so people will stop asking her to dance at this point. And I like her reaction. is like, I can't believe people read books this big. I feel like that's like a fantasy author's dig at uh, the... <laughs> Yeah, the fantasy audience or something. It's like, who reads books that big? Jeez. That's the time. <laughs> also, just brings back to, Ellen, you weren't really expecting to read all these books if you've got one the size of a, you know, doorstop. Uh-huh. So we but, missed just like, I, I love that little note. It's like, all right, yeah, good thing I had I wore slippers instead of heels. Yep. <laughs> she, she's like, okay, I get what he meant now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Didn't even have to wear heels to get the message across. <laughs> And we get a little taste of, uh, let's see, the 5th century, the book is called, like, the 5th century governorship program and the rise of the ska plantations. And it's kind of, uh, when she skips to the last chapter, it's kind of a treatise on uh, how the Lord Ruler has the government set up now and comparing it to previous methodologies of government in the final empire. And I find it interesting, this kind of background that it gives us about, like, you know, how this current thing set up with the plantations and the plantation lords or something is a new or the newest version of the government that the Lord Ruler has tried. And the person who writes the book feels like it kind of works because of the comp- competitive environment that it sets up between the different plantation lord types. And everyone's trying to, you know, make money and do better than the other guy. I feel uh, like this is sort of heavy foreshadowing for the whole if they do topple the Lord Ruler, then what? Just because you overthrow a tyrant doesn't mean you know how to run a government. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where this is all going to lead to. It's like, just got to... You, you need to really know how to make things work with a population, not just with the not just with the bad guy. Yeah, it's an interesting point, because all Kelsier's really said is like, we're going to overthrow him and steal his money, and then Yedin can handle his stuff. That's not our end of the deal. He'll have to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that any of us think that Yedin is going to be politically savvy enough to run a government efficiently. <laughs> I don't think Yedin thinks Yedin is politically savvy enough to run a country. Mm-hmm. Yedin's still hoping that Marsh will come in and do it. Yeah. I think he is, yeah. 
which, you know, if Marsh is going to sneak into the ministry somehow, you know, he'll get some experience. He'll be an obligator or whatever and figure this stuff out, right? Yeah. It sort of puts me in the mind of um, A Song of Ice and Fire, like or Game of Thrones, when, like, because that was, like, the whole point of that story. It's like, that's the backstory of that was the whole riding, uh, rising against and overthrowing a tyrant and then putting um, the hero on the throne. And then that story is entirely about how, you know, Robert Baratheon was a great, warrior and and a true hero but he made a terrible king and so like the politics of that situation is how everything fell apart so i feel like it's sort of leaning into a similar sort of thing just because you can win the war doesn't mean you know how to run the world yeah i can see that it's kind of like the opposite end of that same story where it's like this is before that happened and this might be foreshadowing that you know it's it's more complicated than you think to try to run this because even I mean, just from this one section that she's reading right here, we find out that, uh, what was it? It's like the 5th century governorship program. So the 5th century, the 500 years into the Lord Ruler's rule, he's still trying out new governments to see what's going to work. Doesn't really speak well for like the first first 500 years of his rule then. It's like, ah, oh, shit, okay, that one didn't work. All right, well, now what if I try this over here? Um, okay, so let's see. Democracy didn't work. Socialism didn't work. All right, let's try despotism. Maybe that'll do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the kind of thing you can do if you're an immortal god king. You can, you know, uh, you can just keep trying. Yeah, as long Maybe as that... you have the power to quell any rebellion that comes forward, it's like I can just keep trying. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Maybe that's why he's such a recluse. He's like, guys, I, I can't come out tonight. I have to redo the government structure again. <laughs> <laughs> And I also like the very end of the section where it talks about how the aristocracy's independence has been tempered by a renewed vigor in obligator enforcement. And no lord would be advised to think himself above the law because the call from an inquisitor can come to anyone. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we kind of knew that. But, uh... Ah, uh, yes, fascism, that'll do it. It really is. It's kind of like, you know, even if you're a member of the Nazi party, it doesn't mean that, like, the brown shirts can't knock down your door in the middle of the night and drag you out. Yep. And Vince just like, wow, I can't believe the Lord Ruler like let such analytical discussions of his empire be written. No, eh, whatever. <laughs> you, you kind of go like after reading these entries that we we think is the Lord Ruler as well. That character doesn't appear to be an unreasonable person, whereas mm. having this written about his government, it seems to be quite rational. And he's like, you know what, this will happen and this will happen, and it's like there's some thought that's gone into it and it's it's made sense. So it's not like he's just this tyrant. I mean, even though he is that we what well, we think he is, but he's maybe still not as bad as what we think he is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, like an, an objective ruler might welcome some, you know, serious analytical work to be like, here's the stuff that went wrong that I can try to fix the next time I set up a new government for my empire. So maybe you're, yeah, it makes perfect sense from that perspective. In in, a, in sort of a slanted way, it also works as propaganda for his current regime because like people might protest the way things are now. And then there's this book saying it's like okay, okay, like we get that this system's not perfect, but look at the systems we had before; they were even worse. That's why we have this system to begin with. Mm. Go, okay, maybe we shouldn't protest this current system. That's an interesting point too. Yeah, mm. yeah. If you weird, can point weird out sort of propaganda. Yeah, if you can say you know yeah. Stuff's bad now, but look how bad it used to be. Look how yeah. how far we've come. Maybe, you know, don't be such a jerk about it. Yeah, it's like, we, we, we tried this system you're campaigning for. It didn't work. 
of course, the next section of book that we get is even kind of more serious, but we'll get to that here in a second. But uh, so a terraceman shows up and is like, Lady Chandelaria requires your presence at her table. And Finn's like, oh, requires. Okay. But apparently Alarial is one of the more important great houses, so, you know, you can't say no to such a polite invitation. And she goes and she meets Lady Shan, who is a huge jerk. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. Nope. She's, she's even like, wow, noblemen treat each other like this? I thought this was just how they treated the Ska. Jeez. Ah, uh, classism. Yeah, well. And Shan's even like, you will address me as Lady Shan, or perhaps your ladyship. It's like, okay, sure, why not? And she's like, you are in an enviable position because uh, you can be used by me against Lord Venture. Like, wow, yeah. someone has a high opinion of herself. <laughs> <laughs> I envy you. You can be used by me. I can't even be used by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that attitude. And she's just like, you know, if you do well, perhaps I will let you join my retinue. You could learn much from the ladies of Luthadel. Just look at yourself, child so scrawny that your hair hang or your dress hangs like a bag being a noble woman requires perfection not that which the yeah, yeah this is we're just deep in the mean girls section now where she's just like look at there's just so much wrong just look at yourself it's like what's wrong well you you are what's wrong fix all of that it's like there, there isn't even any any subtleties to this or any like you know just just trying to sweeten it up she's just like the bluntest person ever it's like well, you ugly, you dress stupid. Like, like I'm, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. If you're good to me, I might allow you to become part of my team, and that's awesome because I'm awesome. Stupid bitch. <laughs> He's like the old Spice Guys. Like, look at yourself. Now look at me. Now look back at yourself. Now look at me. How, how dare you sully the old Spice Guy like that? <laughs> well, yeah, the old Spice Guy is nice though. This this girl is something else. The old guy encourages you to be your best. And then I, I sounds I like somebody wears old spices. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> He's on a horse. So she right smells now. like you a man. I just, apparently, being a you know an important member of one of the great houses means that you know you don't have to take shit from anybody, and you can just tell the little people what to do, and they have to do it. And pr- probably my favorite line of this discussion is when Shan's like, "I trust from your vapid look that you accept your place." It's like, okay. Yeah. Vin could slap you really hard. I just want you to know. And uh, you would regret all of this. Yeah. Soothe your way out of a metal slap. I bet that'll work. Yeah. And then <laughs> she starts soothing and Vin can feel it happening. She's like, wow, this uh, she's pretty good at this, actually. Which totally comes up later uh, in the next chapter. But we'll get there, too. And uh, she's like, tell me about your conversation with uh, Lord Venture. And Vin starts telling her until she notices that the terraceman uh, who belongs to Lady Shan is sneaking over to her table and starting to poke through Ellen's books. And she's just like, I, if he wa- if this lady wants something, I can't let her have it. So she gives the lamest excuse ever of, I have to get back. I told my terraceman to find me at my table. I have to run away now and just takes <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, like you know, she, had to, she had to come up with that on the fly. That's not her fault, I think. I think it, it even fits with her, like, naive kind of country girl attitude that she's supposed to be projecting here of, like, this inexperienced noblewoman. So it totally works in character. It's just hilarious. Yeah. And so she goes back to – she kind of just needs to sit at her table now to stop people from going through Ellen's books, which he just left on the table and walked away, by the way. So 
it's his own fault if something happens. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought him to the party. Yeah, seriously. And so we finally get to uh, this other book that uh, she starts reading, the one that's labeled Weather and Patterns of the Northern Dominance, but is nothing of the kind. Unless this is just some random passage within that book, and then after this it goes into, okay, wind. <laughs> Let's talk about wind. There's lots of wind in the north, and it's cold. <laughs> cold as balls. But this book is just like, one fact is unmistakable about the final empire. For a nation ruled by a self-proclaimed divinity, it has experienced a frightening number of colossal leadership errors. I, he even throws in like some adjectives in there. It's like, there's not just a number of leadership errors. There's a frightening number of colossal le- leadership errors. <laughs> Yeah, don't hold back. And uh, he says, most of these have been covered up and can now only be found in the metal mines of ferrochemists or on the pages of banned texts, which, hey, we've heard metal mined before, right? Yep, that was what uh, says was burning or using. He used up a whole yeah. metal mine. Yeah. Or the actual term for it, metalhead. <laughs> I saw that coming. <laughs> yep. yeah, there it is. <laughs> But so we find out that metal mines belong to ferrochemists, which I believe is a new word for us. Yes, don't think we come across that before. So these are the guys who understand why metal does what it does, rather than just you know drink drinking some and then going now I can do crazy shit. <laughs> there, there's been a revision of the deepness doctrine at some point apparently. So even if we could figure out what everyone thinks the deepness was, apparently it's been revised. So maybe that wasn't what it originally was. Um, and I like how he says, which we we kind of even talked about a little bit before, but he's like, or whoever wrote this, it's like, uh, you know, before the Ascension, there was an endless cycle of kings and emperors and other monarchs. One would think with a single immortal governor, society would finally have the opportunity to find stability and enlightenment. But a lack of either of those attributes in the final empire is the Lord Ruler's most grievous oversight. At which point Vin is like, what and slams the book closed and kind of like throws it away from her like oh i can't i cannot be caught reading that that's 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 not good which again begs the question why the fuck would ellen bring that to somewhere public yeah where it could be easily found and people would say oh look he's reading text against the lord ruler like this is the show to get shit that will get you hung up by your by a hook through your chin well, yeah, and I mean, Kelsier even talks about that later, and this is probably a good place to talk about it since it's in reference to the specific scene. But Kelsier's like, yeah, you know, this particular book was a, is actually pretty boring, so it wasn't banned outright. But he went on to write some books that were even worse than this one, and they were banned. And even though he didn't blaspheme against Alamancy, the Inquisitors made an exception and gave him the hook. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Ellen... Uh, you have to wonder, you know, because Jamie th- Jamie's theory was like, you know, maybe he's kind of more on the ball than we give him credit for. And apparently Shan Lariel is looking for something to use against him. So you almost have to wonder, is is this some clever, like, trap on his part to seed this thing there and then walk away and leave it for her people to come and find? Or is he just that oblivious to how dangerous this might be? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was – the fact that he left – the table left the books there it almost makes me think like was he testing Vin to see what she would do mm. um because yeah, after she closes the book he and he comes back pretty quickly yeah you reckon he was watching yeah it might have been i mean i feel like 
and of course, we don't know that much about him, but I feel like this guy's smarter than the, your average nobleman. And I, I think he he knows that Shan would try to get something on him, even even if it was just to blackmail him into getting married. You know, she's going to tr- she's going to try to find something on him. So I think he he would know not to not to leave something like that around unless he has, you know, was doing it on purpose and, and for, for a specific reason. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. He almost immediately after she puts down that book, picks up another book and or the first book that she'd been looking at and starts looking at it again. And uh, he's he's there like right away. So maybe you have a point. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. After she puts the book down, she's looking around, make sure no obligators are noticing her. And then Ellen puts his hand on her shoulder and she jumps because she's so worried about what was just happening. And somebody's going to jump out of nowhere and grab her. And uh, he's like, hey, are you enjoying Heberin, which I guess is the author of that other book? And she's like, no, I was just pretending to read so that people would stop asking me to dance. And they talk and talk. And she says, you can't stay aloof from court forever. And he says, that's probably true. But the longer I hold out, the more annoyed my father will become. And that in itself is a worthy goal. Which, we've met his dad for a whole minute now. And his dad is also a jerk. So maybe I, mean, I don't no, feel No surprise bad. there. Well, yeah, that's true. He's the lord of the one of the most powerful houses in the final empire. He's going to be an asshole, obviously. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't uh, blame Ellen that much for wanting to annoy the guy. And then he has a comment about women and how they are like thunderstorms, <laughs> which makes Vin's jaw drop again. And then he, he, he smiles at her and she's like, you say these things just to provoke me. He goes, I'm charming that way. This guy. It's hard to tell if he's like really flirting or if he's just annoying uh, he's used that line on other on other women before uh, that's what i was about to say can't it be both <laughs> oh yeah sure why not um Sazed comes back they notice that ellen is going off with someone from house lacall and also someone from house hastings which are rivals to venture so are those two boys also trying to piss off their fathers maybe and vin's like yeah my feet hurt let's get out of here and then there's the scene as they're waiting for her carriage, which just in case in like the one chapter since the last time you were reminded, uh, you have forgotten how crappy it is to be a ska. Daily reminder. Let's go. Yep. Well, because Vin kind of has half forgotten. Sometimes it seems like she goes to these parties and sees all the pretty people and all the dancing. And she apparently needs these reminders Or this. Uh, there's a kitchen boy who was caught trying to beg from a nobleman. So they take him off into the mist and slit his throat right in the courtyard. And no one bats an eye. No. No one cares. Oh, but, oh, but they, they, they make sure to take him out of, out of sights first so they don't offend the, the, no, the nobility with the, the sight of such a thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's very much a, oh, let's remove him from your presence because that's where he's meant to be. And then they do it permanently. We should have a recurring segment on the show called It Sucks to Be a Shaw. Scott, Scott, excuse me. Yeah, it sucks to be a Scott. <laughs> the Shaw, uh, you know, the Shaw has a really yeah, bad. Yeah, the right? Shaw. No, it sucks to be a Scott. Listeners, make us some intro music for the segment. It sucks to be a Scott. <laughs> you, you use use that song from Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. Yeah, but then just put like just a really harsh voiceover where it's just like it sucks to be Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually seen Avenue Q. The only song I know from it is The Internet is for Porn. So. Yeah, that's the one everyone knows. 
it's good. You should like give the soundtrack a listen sometime. Yeah, I keep meaning to. It's one of those things. Like, there's a lot of musicals that I'm actually uh, I've seen bits of. And I'm like, hey, that looks really good. I want to like see it sometime. Like Hamilton looks really cool. I can't wait till it comes out on Disney Plus in like July so that I can actually watch it. But it's coming out on Disney Plus, isn't it? Yep. Uh, hmm. And they're gonna have. It's gonna be a version with you know Lin Manuel Miranda actually in you know playing the character. Which he oh, obviously wow. can't do in all the other in all the shows, but so I think it's gonna be you know a really good version. Once this again, podcast I is not sponsored by Disney. This podcast <laughs> exactly not sponsored by Disney, but could be. Once again, uh, give me a call, Mr. Chapek. We're here. <laughs> um, Let me call this data. Yeah, it really exactly. Keeps on the ball. So yeah, they do it out of the eyesight of regular people, but Vin can still see it with her tin. And uh, it seems like people could probably still hear it. And they just, uh, you know, how dare you beg from nobleman? We're just going to kill you. And he was struggling. And it's like she says that they did it here in the courtyard just because he was struggling and annoying the guy. So instead of taking him like out back all the way away from everyone to kill him, he just took him a little way and then killed him so that he it would he would be less annoying to drag away. I like the narrative. It's like they killed him like an animal. Oh, wait, no, not like an animal. No one slaughters pigs in the courtyard. Holy mm-hmm. shit. So, yeah. Yep. Sazed has to kind of hold her back and force her to, you know, get moving again when it's time to get in the carriage because she's just so stunned by what happened. And she has to remind herself, she's like, don't forget the ash because you see a little silk. They would do the exact same thing to you if they knew who you were. And that's the end of the chapter, a very upbeat ending. <laughs> but the final empire is not an upbeat place, so... It's like, did you have a nice and... night at the party? Yeah, hung out with my boyfriend, danced with a few guys, saw a dude get killed. <laughs> yeah, a boy. Another day in the life of uh, a Mistborn. Yep. And then this may be, the, the beginning of the next chapter may be one of my favorite epigraphs, just because we learn about this Quan guy, and he's not like all the other religious terrorists, the other terrorist philosophers. Uh, he didn't even really care about religion. He was at the great Clenny Library studying whether or not trees could think when he discovered this guy <laughs> who was going to be the hero of ages. He's looking for ants, damn it. He is. He just – you get the impression that he's like this weird, quirky dude, and now I want to, like, meet him. Also, what drove him to this conclusion? Can trees think? Um, were you hanging out in the forest a bit too long as a kid, and now you just <laughs> – did a branch fall on you? Did you think it was malicious intent on the tree's part? That's, that's how dwarves feel. They, they hate the trees. They're always, you know, up to no good. In, in fairness, in Lord of the Rings, they have valid reasons for that. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We learned slightly more about Quan. Uh, he's he's a, he's a fun guy. And uh, we move to Kelsier, who we don't know, you know, right away, but he's hanging out in the night with a corpse, trying to figure out the right spot to drop it. And he sees that Keep Techiel has five tin eyes forming a perimeter around to keep watch. And he kind of thinks to himself how funny it is because, you know, all of uh, all these Alamancers are like the house noblemen. And they're going to be really annoyed at having to just be on guard duty. He's like, oh, no, your lives are so hard. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they had to miss the party tonight, you know, to be on guard duty at the house. It's. Totally not fair. But then he finds a small reflecting pool and dumps the corpse in there or onto the ground near it. And he kind of explains to us more or less that, you know, don't feel bad for this guy. He was 
all noblemen, according to Kelsey here, deserve it. But this guy probably more than most because he loves ska blood fights and other twisted pleasures. He's infamous for it. So don't feel bad about him getting a couple of knives in the back. Yep, there's one thing you want to be infamous for. It's twisted pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I assume ska blood fights are like that scene from Django Unchained. That's the only thing I can kind of think of to place there. Yeah, there's also well, a, uh, what is it? There's uh, car- Altered Carbon. Which is a show on Netflix. They got like fights like that too. I was just gonna say, like, it just seems like they treat the scars less than animals, so this is their equivalent of cockfighting. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and he he has this whole plan planned out where he's like, first of all, the gardeners are gonna find them. And so if when the servants find out first, the rumors will spread and you'll they'll never be able to stop them. And this guy is a really good ally of this guy's house to where I'm dropping the body, so they'll think that an enemy house did it, but then they'll look into it and find out that it's this guy from a smaller house that wants an alliance with them. And that guy was with him this night and is a known misborn and like known to be a good knife fighter. So the two knives in the back may make them think that this guy did it. And basically no matter who they end up blaming, it's good for Kelsier because he just wants everybody <laughs> paranoid and fighting each other. So it's cool because this is the first time we've gotten to see kind of like what Kelsier does other than randomly break into houses and kill people to make kind of foment this house war that they're trying to get going. Instead of just breaking into houses and killing people, sometimes he goes out into the streets and kills people. But, you know, but it's very there's, there's deliberate. Yeah. 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 It's he's really thought it through. It's not like he's just gone and found somebody. He's he's yeah. went he went found somebody that he was like, well, you know what? One, I think you deserve to die more than other people. But two, I can actually make this work for me. Yeah, he's really, really thought it through. So he does yeah. love to foment. It's impressive the amount of like planning that had to go into this. He did say from the beginning that him and Breeze were going to get together to plan exactly kind of the right buttons to push to get the noblemen like fighting each other. Yeah. And then he just uh, he starts going through the night and wonders oddly, you know, as he bounces across rooftops, he's like, I wonder what the people in there think. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, they hear, they hear this on their roof. Is that just like, oh, it's a possum? <laughs> and uh, like he possum. says, that, do they attribute the knockings to the ever blamable mistrates? Because people just blame mistrates for things. So, <laughs> Jed, Jed, there's some mistrates on. The damn roof again. Will you get the broom and get them off there? <laughs> but, Paul, this one has the skull of a rat. I don't give a rat's ass. I need you up there now. I think it has the ass of a rat, too. Oh, gosh. But, uh... That seems like a normal conversation in a Scott yeah. household, right? Oh, absolutely. I hope so. Except for the fact well, that we know how terrified they are of mistreats and how they think that they get their soul or whatever. Other than that. It's like, Paul, why don't you get rid of the mistreats? I can't, so I'm just going to take my soul. <laughs> That's why we had you. It's uh, Yeah. It's okay if it takes your face, damn it. Just not mine. I earn off okay. this face, boy. You don't earn it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, this is by far the dumbest conversation we've had on this show. And we've had, we've had some doozies. <laughs> so, okay. No, back to the thing. No more possums. Uh, <laughs> I will never look at a possum the same way. Yeah. 
I saw one in the tree a second ago. Really? Yeah, just outside, at the front. Oh. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> she's like, she's like, go on. There's awesome. mysteries out there right now. You just don't know. You, you go deal with it. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope the listeners enjoy the look into our, the yep. brief look into our home life. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You, you learn something new every day. They have possums in Australia, and Dak gets to deal with them. They hang out in the trees sure. with the drop bears uh, yeah. and the other I'll things. I'll get my broom. <laughs> Watch out for the venomous snake. Just one? We've had oh, one yeah. of those in the backyard before. We had one of those in the backyard, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Where were we? So he's he's kind of thinking about Luthadel as he goes through. After he's thinking about, you know, uh, what, what the ska think as he bounces over their roofs. He, he, thinks, he talks about how Luthadel is really big, and every couple decades they get a new section added. With the advent of the modern canal era, stone was growing relatively cheap and easy to move. So that tells us that canals are relatively new. And I guess before that, they had to take everything across land. Although it makes you wonder, like, did a bunch of guys have to go out and dig some canals? or? Well, I mean, it's but, not like they were going to form themselves. It's true, but it's just like <laughs> if you have canals going across the entirety of this empire now, that's a lot of digging that they would have had to do. There's lots of ska to do it, I yeah. guess, but geez. Or maybe the Lord Ruler used his magical Lord Ruler powers. Who knows? I don't know. Just like, it doesn't really seem like he gets... We haven't really heard of him actually going out and doing anything in the empire for nope. a while. So yeah. it's like, is he, is he really going to descend to philanthropy or construction work? <laughs> I guess it depends on what he gets out of it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. If they had to dig the canals, it seems like all right, cool. There's like at the at the bottom of the canals, you're gonna find a whole lot of scar skeletons because that's just how shit works around here. Yeah, yeah, like the Great Wall. Except for I guess Scott didn't build the Great Wall. Maybe the the, the equivalent. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So he wonders why the Lord Ruler even has a big wall around the city because like not like anyone is going to attack the entire world. He's like not even the Western Isles resist anymore. Uh, the entire world is under the Lord Ruler's control, and he can marshal literally millions of troops if he needs. So, yeah, that makes it sound easy to overthrow him. It's all good. And uh, he goes to talk to an informant who we've heard about the informants a couple times. And Vin even mentions, like, why do I have to go to these parties? Why don't we just get information from informants? And Kelsier's like, well, that's not always reliable. And you reveal information that they will then to sell to someone else the more you ask questions of them, which we see happen in – this chapter that what he says is exactly true like the stuff that he asks and says this guy picks up on to then turn around and probably sell to someone else also just look at this guy he's not someone you want to bring into your nice clean house (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah okay so his contact was in uh, the door of the clothes shop puffing on a pipe which kelsier thinks is kind of strange because apparently tobacco is an expensive luxury so he says hoyd was either very wasteful or was just as successful as dachshund had implied by the way, I, it's I, actually I, pot. Less <laughs> expensive than tobacco. I just, I just, I just yeah. want to say, I like the name Hoyd. It's fun to say. Hoyd. Hoyd. Yeah. Might be my favorite name in the book. He puts his pipe away, and it says that he's a scrawny, bald man. Kelsier has to hide his arms. You can't have this guy realizing that this nobleman has half sin scars on his arms. I really want to know what the scars actually look like to make them so distinctive that everyone knows what they are. Yeah. It's a fair question. We haven't had them described, have we? I think I feel like they've been described as like a crisscross of scars, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Now, now I want to find it. Well, 
one. Back the, the only prologue. thing I remember them saying in the prologue specifically was that it looked like animal scratches, but like all over his arm. Okay, see, now I'm going to have to go and find out. Let's see. The scars ran all along his fingers and hands, twisting up his arms toward his shoulders. That's not super helpful. So what, his entire arms are just like more scar tissue than skin now? Maybe. That would be noticeable, all right. Mate, your arms look like prunes. Pretty sure it comes up at some point. But yeah, there's not much description up till now. You're right. Okay, so this Hoyd guy, they go through some standard threats and things where he's like, you have to vow never to speak of this meeting to anyone. And the guy's like, oh, of course, my lord. And Kelsey's like, he's going to break that promise before the night he's even out. But it's kind of the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, well, what about my money? And he's like, you're going to get your money. And what he's asked this guy to find out about is House Renew. And the guys, uh, all this guy can tell him at first is, you know, they're buying lots of weapons. They they go back and forth some, but what Kelsey is really trying to find out is, you know, is there are there any rumors out there about the what's really happening? Because I have to make sure that the street hasn't heard anything about, you know, the rebellion or the survivors association with the house or any of that stuff. And Hoyt has the clever lie about how he can't see anything and. Uh, he, his eyes are really bad, and Kelsier's like, oh, nobody would survive long in the other underground half-blind, but it's a good a good excuse because it might make people less cautious about, you know, hiding who they are. Yeah, it, dis- it disarms them a bit. And then he uh, Hoyt tells him that Lord Renu is considering a union between his niece and Lord Ellen Venture. Kelsier's <laughs> like, well, that's just stupid. Venture's so far above House Renu, and he's like, but they were, you know, seen talking at a ball a month ago. And Kelsey's like, everybody knows that. He's like, yeah, but does everybody know that Lord Ellen spoke very highly of the girl to his friends later on? And Kelsey's like, nobody cares about any of this stuff, and I want my money back. And Hoyt's like, wait, wait, wait. There's secret dealings between these two. I've heard it in the last hour. Lord Renew was able to demand that Ellen Venture be assigned to watch over her at balls, and there's even whispers that he has some sort of dot, dot, dot leverage over House Venture. So Vin's little trick has had unintended consequences. Which I thought that was a that was a really cool little twist to add add into that. It's like Vin just had to think on her feet and come up with something so that Ellen didn't just ruin her chances at the ball. Uh-huh. And now there's this entire ripple effect throughout the rest of the city and and, and Kelsey's left just going, What the hell happened at the ball? <laughs> <laughs> Like something must have happened at this party. Yeah, she's not experienced enough to realize how noble society works and like the repercussions that could happen from the things that she says. But she also didn't have a lot of choice. No, she came up with a, a very quick lie, and it worked for her. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's okay. There's more to it than that. <laughs> I guess though, if someone ever asked her about why she said that, she can just come back with, oh, I didn't want people to think that I was with him. Like she's still got that. To fall back on his perfectly valid excuse. It's true. Uh, we also find out that uh, word is getting out that Chandelariol is a soother, which to me is kind of sad because we find out later that Vin picked up no new information. This was the one thing that she managed to kind of twig to that would have been interesting to Kelsier if it hadn't just coincidentally come up in his discussion with Hoyd also. Yeah, that did seem a bit of a cop out, but no. Oh well. Poor girl. I did love this thing. It's like Hoyd says, oh, yeah, I felt her when she, um, like touching my emotions because she was doing it to the servants during a fire. Kelsey had started that fire. 
Unfortunately, it hadn't spread beyond the guardhouses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Kelsier, you nut. <laughs> That's the other kind of st- see. He's doing all these different things. He's he's throwing bodies in people's yards. He's starting fires places. It's just, <laughs> I feel like he's having a good time. Like yeah, the, the, he's he's getting to enjoy himself killing noblemen and things. Yeah, it's like Vin's gonna be like, "What are we doing tonight, Kelsier?" And he's like. <laughs> Tonight, I'm going to put a dead horse's head <laughs> in the bed of Lord Venture. That's the reason when you, That's... When, when, when you said that, I just like immediately thought you were going to go to, uh, what are we doing tonight, Kelsia? Same thing we do every night, Vin. Try to take over the world. That's exactly where I thought it was going. I was yeah. going to say the same that, thing. That is, that is where I was going, but I was like, yeah, I got to make it story relevant. Yeah. The horse head. Well, well I mean, they are kind of trying to take over the world. It's true. From the guy who currently owns it. Uh, so then Kelsier drops a few things. He's like, just some BS that he makes Hoyd think that he's saying almost unintentionally, like thinking out loud to himself. So then Hoyd will turn around and sell these quote unquote secrets to other people later. It's really very slick. I feel like what Kelsier does, he's playing kind of both sides of this informant network. Well, Literally both sides of the informant network, as we find out that his next appointment is pretending to be an informant. But <laughs> the whole setup, I feel like, is very slick and very well thought out here. Then he notes that he, he drops a coin and he notes that despite his quote unquote weak eyesight, Hoyd manages to run over and pluck that coin off the ground also. I did have a moment when he was describing this is thinking, what happens if Hoyd tries to pick up the coin while he's pushing off it? Because like, immediately my thought was like, oh, he picks it up and Kelsey's going to come tumbling out of the air. Or it's like, actually, no, Kelsey, Kelsey is pushing pushing at it, so he's going to try and pick it up, and it's going to be like try, someone trying to lift Thor's hammer. It's like, you yep. can't lift the fucking coin. That's the <laughs> picture that I got. As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, like Thor's hammer. <laughs> like the Hulk trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Yep. And then, That's... like, when Kelsey stops pushing against it, all of a sudden, like, he can lift it, and he just goes <laughs> flying because he's trying to hard. <laughs> that would have been a much better scene. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Come on, uh, uh, Sanderson, what are you doing? <laughs> Kelsier shows up at his next appointment, still late, because Kelsier's always late, but he knows that this guy is not going to be as forgiving about uh, his tardiness. And it is Lord Straff Venture, who apparently Kelsier has sent a message to saying he has important information that Lord Venture will be interested in. And we find out that Venture is an openly known Tin-Eye. And he, his excuse for being late is that he was waiting in the alley, as we agreed. And Venture's like, we did not agree to that. And he uses the whole excuse that, you know, like uh, like someone mentioned earlier, he's stealing Hoyd's ideas. Like, oh, I can barely see my hand in front of my face. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Venture hands his dueling cane to a guard and then slaps Kelsier across the face and says, next time you make me wait, it will be the cane. So this is a nice guy. Well, I know where, I, where to go next time I need, to, I need a corpse to dump on someone's lawn. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't blame him. Uh, uh, so Kelsier has some other, some other stuff to information to give this guy to try to turn him against his allies. He's like, oh, this one house is selling this other house weapons for way less than they're charging you. And uh, Venture's kind of like, I don't I don't actually care. Because apparently House Venture is so powerful that it doesn't rely on any specific industry to fuel its wealth, he says, which is a really difficult position to achieve in the Final Empire. So Venture may be, like, the most powerful house. Which means if Kelsier can turn this guy the right direction with the right information, he can use him against the other houses. 
But what Straff wants to know is, what is up with the survivor of Hathsin? Which Kelsier was not expecting. And he tries to play it off. He's like, oh, you, you know, I've never met him. I don't think that he's really here. I don't think anyone could live through the pits. The Lord Ruler does not make that kind of oversight. And then he's all, Straff has also heard the legends of the 11th medal. And Kelsier's like, oh, that's just, that's, that's a legend. It's nothing. And Venture says that he pays very close attention to legends. And there, that legend does not actually exist. Someone is very cleverly manipulating the Ska. So what this makes me wonder at this point, is Venture right that there never was any such legend? And Kelsier is the one very cleverly manipulating everyone. And has he been lying to us this whole time? Or did Kelsier just find a legend that Venture has never heard of, despite how Venture thinks he's heard of everything? I think, given that conversation he had with Doxon just after he, uh, he and Vin met the Inquisitors in Credit Shore, he, he seemed really personally, honestly frustrated that he couldn't make the 11th medal work. So I think there is some mm. credence to the idea there is an 11th medal. I mean, we know that Kelsey is the one spreading rumors about it because, like he said, he's the one he's the one starting them all. But I think it might be a case of he's bitten off more than he could chew. He's found this legend somewhere or sazed remembers it from way back before it got expunged from all the records. And now he's trying to revive it without having any clue what he's actually doing. So that's, that'd be why no one's ever heard of it, why no one knows anything about it and why he can't do anything with it. But it, I think it is real, but just... The, you know, that doesn't help them at, at all. Okay. Let's see. Then Venture says, you know, maybe the survivor did die in the pits, and if someone had gotten a cold of his corpse, his bones, there are ways to imitate a man's appearance. You know what I sp- of what I speak? And he tells Kelsier to watch for that. And when he can bring him information on this guy, whoever leads the ska, then he'll get some money. So Kelsier didn't even get paid. It's very so sad. Did anyone else, like, when... Venture said, you know, like, they get the corpse and the bones, they can imitate a man's appearance. This immediately made me think, oh, okay, this is a step closer to finding out what's happened to Lord Reno. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So whatever but, Venture's uh, talking about, you guys think that's that's what's going on with uh, Renu? Yeah. Yeah. In reference to Kelsey not getting paid, I mean, that's how the rich stay rich, am I right? They don't, they don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in this case, though, like, I don't think Kelsey was doing it to be paid, but he definitely got more valuable information and uh, Venture's definitely more on top of this than I think anyone thought. So mm-hmm. that's some pretty useful information to have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's it, it, him knowing what, he, you know, these rumors, he's basically given to Kelsey the knowledge that, okay, some some people out there are starting to figure out what's going on. And so I got to get ahead of this. Well, I mean, you know, they're recruiting enough people. Enough people have heard the pitch and the speech. Like, it was bound to get out at some point. Yeah, it's probably true. And Kelsier even comments later. He's like, the smart ones among the high nobility are starting to get worried. So that tells us where he places Venture in that hierarchy. Which I guess, really, if he's, like, lord of one of the most powerful houses, you kind of expect him not to be an idiot. Yeah. Uh, I like the little note on the spike way that he's like, Kelsier didn't put the spikes there. He wondered what would happen if he ran into another Mistborn going in the opposite direction. <laughs> uh, we'd probably just ignore each other. We're good at that. That's <laughs> it's like, you know, do you wave at other cars using the highway or do you just drive past them? It's true. Of course, in this situation, the cars would be super secret identities of noblemen, important noblemen. 
But yeah, you know. I find it like if if you're driving a Lamborghini on the highway and you see another Lamborghini driving past, it's like, what's up? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. <laughs> Speaking of, just now, now I'm curious. We know from early in the book that people who are nobles who are actually misborn tend to hide it because you don't want people knowing who the secret weapons are, basically. We've heard of one guy who is like an openly known Mistborn, the guy that Kelsey is half trying to frame for this murder. Does anybody else that we've met strike you guys as someone who might secretly be Mistborn? I haven't actually thought about it, but now that you bring it mm-hmm. up, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Okay. Um, the only one I can think of is, and I know they're kind of trying to drive us away from this thought. But maybe Ellen, because maybe he just I know they said that he went through a traumatic experience and then he didn't show any like he almost died and didn't show any alimantic power. But I feel like maybe he did snap and he just didn't show his power at that point. Maybe that was his snapping point and He just hasn't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe possibly. Yeah. So maybe he just hasn't shown his powers to anyone, but he did snap at some point. I guess now now that you've said that. If someone attacks you and that is the moment when you snap, you probably don't have any medals waiting around to drink to test if you are now, like, a misting or a mistborn. So you wouldn't know until later when you tried, like, ingesting some medals whether it was true. Right. Actually, now that you bring it up, like, that probably would go a long way to explaining his arrogance about dealing with his dad. And it's like, if I act well enough, my dad will eventually cave in. If he is a mistborn, then he's too valuable to lose. So his dad would probably have, like, as much as he would, as much as Straff Venture would be annoyed at LN's activity, he'd be like, oh, but I can't lose a mistborn. It, like, mm. that's that, that's a thought. He might even find his son intimidating if his son is, like, that powerful and all he's got is the ability to use tin and enhance his senses. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was just curious. We actually, we haven't even met that many nobility yet, so it's probably an unfair question at this point. I was just, while we were talking about it, that popped into my head, and I was kind of curious what you thought. That's definitely something to keep in mind as we go. Uh, so, Kelsier gets back to the house, kind of tells everyone, you know, people are starting to hear these rumors about me and about the 11th medal, and it's getting around. So, uh, we'll have to spread opposite rumors to kind of cancel that out so the nobility focus on each other. Amusingly, Lord Venture encouraged me to search out information about myself. A man could get confused from this kind of play acting. And this is where uh, Joe talked about the start. He's like, I don't know how you do it, Renu. And uh, Renu said, it's, it is who I am, the Contra said simply. So also a new word. We're getting yeah, a couple yeah. of new words this chapter, or these chapters. I feel like they just like slid over that so easily. It's like, oh, well, maybe that's what his species or whatever is called and for whatever reason sanderson's just like here have this try to figure that out real quick (laughs) i mean technically if he is what we what we believe he is based on an earlier discussion we could just assume that somehow his species can use the bones of somebody who is dead to reanimate that person into themselves i mean i guess we could make that 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 jump of logic but, yeah, you and, know, obviously it hasn't been explained how it works. Yeah, and this could just be the term for someone, for a uh, mistrate that, that does do that. Kandra. Yeah. Yeah, we really, we don't have a lot of information except that, yeah, I mean, it's not a typo. <laughs> so We don't uh, have a lot of information. We actually have no information whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, so we have, I mean, in, in this case, we know that it's not really Lord Renew. They've told us that much. 
It's somebody impersonating him somehow. We now know that whatever this, whatever's impersonating him, it's called a Kandra, whether that's a species name or like a title or, or even like, you know, something you call, it's like an assassin. Yeah. Or for all we know, it could just be, it could just be the Luthadel word for actor. Oh, he totally could. And (laughs) like, and, um, and Kelsey has just found himself a Daniel Day-Lewis to do this part. Like we don't, we, (laughs) we, we have nothing to go on. Yeah, I, I I really hope he's like some kind of clay face creature that like just <laughs> that morphs so cool. that like touches somebody's bones and just like morphs into them. Well, yeah, and we know from just a minute ago in this chapter, may be related, may not, that Venture specifically says, you know, if they can get a hold of somebody's bones, there's ways to impersonate them. So, I think that how close these are together is probably a strong hint that he's trying to be like, hey. These things are related in some way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, there's not a lot of information to go on for us. Okay, so then Vin's annoyed because all Sage already knew everything she found out from her hours of dancing. And Kelsier kind of explains that it'll probably be a few months before you've made enough contacts to actually get the kind of information we need. But they're going to get her up to going to a few of these a week. God, that'll be tiring. Uh <sighs> And Kelsier, Kelsier knows what uh, she's like. Oh, did you tell you tell people that Renu and Venture are friends? And Finn's like, How do you know? And he's like, I'm mysterious and powerful. Anyway, or I'm mysterious. <laughs> and uh, actually, I was I was just talking talking to this smelly dude down by the dock. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's much more interesting when Kelsier says I'm mysteriously powerful than telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, there was a smelly bald guy who pretended that he couldn't see and wanted money, and he told me. Uh, you'll just have to be careful dealing with House Venture, Lord Renu. We'll have to see how they react to this. So do you guys think that there will be a reaction? Is there, there going to be consequences from what Vin said? Well, from what little we've seen of Straff Venture, I get the feeling he's he will probably be like, oh, okay, this is the first I've heard of this, so he might pay a call on Lord Reno and just go, why are people talking about us? <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, they... What was it? Hoyt said something about like Reno apparently was able to make the demand that Ellen watch over Vin at the ball or something like that. And Straff is going to be like, what the fuck? No one makes demands of me. I'm going to have a word with you about this. And he's definitely going to result in more attention being on uh, Reno than what they wanted. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that, if anything. Because uh, Straff, you're right, doesn't seem like the kind of guy to take that stuff uh, laying down. And if... Renu is an important nobleman-ish, not as important as the Great Houses, because we know that the public story is he came here hoping to make enough money, basically, to become a Great House in the next decade or so. So if Mr. Already, one of the most powerful Great Houses, Straff Venture, feels he can treat Lord Renu the same way that Chanelariel was treating Valette Renu, then that could be an interesting scene, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sazed mentions they that they gave Venture's bones to something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, your bones look really good. <laughs> I, I want to see that as like a subtle, a subtle thing. Like Lord Renu's talking to somebody, he's like, "You have really nice bone structure." <laughs> what a strange compliment! Thank you, sir. There's <laughs> <laughs> just, just like another canter in the room. It's like, let me touch your bones. What? <laughs> <laughs> let me get let me get close I want to smell them bones <laughs> okay 
Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Sazed mentions seeing Ellen run off with these two, and Kelsier's like, huh, interesting. Probably just trying to piss off his father, but keep an eye on that, because maybe Lord Venture and his son are playing us all for fools. And then uh, Vin chases him down to say something she doesn't even want to say in front of Sazed, and tells Kelsier about, you know, Ellen's book that he's hiding. And we kind of talked about it at the time, so we won't get into it much here. But Kelsier's like, oh, yeah, that's that's this one book. I recognize it just from your vague description. And uh, here's where he calls Chandler all the former fiance, probably looking for something to blackmail him with. And Vin's like, I think she's an Alamancer, Kelsier. And he's like, yeah, 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 she's a soother. I know. It doesn't matter that I just found that out an hour ago, and that's a really good secret that you found. I know you're not important anymore. <laughs> yeah, let, let me just take that accomplishment away from you because it's not yep. like you got nothing else to hang on to. <laughs> yeah, this book just kind of was doomed to obscurity by the ministry not expressly forbidding it. And I like the discussion. It's pr- probably a discussion that I've seen elsewhere about like how banning books is kind of a double-edged sword because you basically have to publicize it and say, hey, everyone, look at this book. It's banned. Now, yeah, look at this book. <laughs> now don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that wasn't that was a Harry Potter thing, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know if anybody there actually were banned. banned no, books no, 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 sorry, sorry, in the Harry Potter universe, not the Harry Potter books themselves, but in universe, oh. like that that teacher tried to ban the magazine at one point. Yes, yeah. actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, she tried to ban the magazine, which just made sure that everyone knew about it, so yeah. they all were trying to read it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, her, the right same thing. And her, yeah, yeah, Hermione was just like, oh god, that's the one thing she could have done to make sure everyone reads it. <laughs> the Quibbler. That's the one. And I like uh, Kelsier decides as a little test. He's like, hey, you know what? Maybe this Ellen Venture has books that are actually forbidden. And if we kind of let that slip to the Inquisitors, wow, the execution of the Venture heir would add to the political turmoil. And Vince's like, what? what? No. So he's like, oh, she's totally falling for him. I should have seen this. And. He he, he he thinks that several times, like, oh, this is so, like, I should have known this would happen. It's it's totally predictable. And at the same time, he's like, I don't have time for this crap. Just. He's he's totally a shotgun dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think he, I think he's enough in the know to know, like, I've been young. I was in love with somebody. She's not going to listen to reason on this. The only thing I can do is warn her, but I'm just going to have to deal with it when I have to deal with it. I think you're probably right, yeah. He he knows more than anyone about being an impetuous young person since uh, he was one up to, like, until Vin got stabbed, and then he calmed down a little bit, basically. Well, I mean, he's still got elements of that. So oh, no, I'm he mysteri- does. I'm mysteriously powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and she tries to talk Kelsier into, like, you know, he's interested in the ska, and he could be an ally for us or something. And Kelsier's like, was his interest compassionate or intellectual? And she, she's just like, oh, well. And he expressly tells her, he's like, look, I'm going to lay this out for you. He is not our friend. I told you to stay away from him. When you spend time with this person, it puts the operation and your entire crew in jeopardy. Do you understand? And at the same time, it's like, it, she's not going to listen. I know. Like, w- were we not just talking about how banning something is the way to make sure yes. like, <laughs> pe- people do that thing? Like, don't stay away from this boy. Ah, crap, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's a good point. I hadn't thought about how those are kind of similar. And, uh, yeah, we end the chapter with Kelsier being like, bloody hell, I do not have time to deal with this right now. <laughs> so, I don't know. Th- we kind of we talked about at the beginning how this 
especially coming off the last big group of chapters that we read, there's not a lot that happens here, but there's a lot of kind of information and a lot of interesting little bits. So do you have any final thoughts about these two chapters before we move on to predictions? Well, I mean, like it's laying a few seeds, and I feel like we've now definitely actually met a few more characters uh, among the nobility who are going to play a part. I mean, it, the, the Shan Ilarial thing seemed like, oh, it's kind of just the... This is, a, this is a typical bitchy lady from high society, but they wouldn't throw her in like that if she wasn't going to be important in some way and did a mm. strap venture. So, like, we're finally starting to see, like, people from the other side of the fence become characters, people who are going to be actual antagonists. So, rather than just this vague, the nobility are the bad guys thing. I think this also sets up for the possibility that Elan Venture is going to be, like, a really large part of what happens. Like, I almost, I foresee, you know, and I'm getting predict- predictions a little bit here. I foresee, you know, him, like, at some point, Vin tries to, like, tells him the truth and tries to convince him to to help them. And he's going to be like, uh, no, no, I, I you know, he's going to feel really uncomfortable about it. Because I think Kelsier's right about this guy. He likes to phil- uh, philosophize. That's probably not a word. He likes to talk about these things philosophically with his <laughs> friends. But I don't think if he was, if push came to shove at this point, I don't think he would be willing to actually go all in and try to overthrow the whole world that he's lived in. Okay. It sounds like you're thinking maybe it's not as bad as Kelsey and Sage are saying. Maybe he's not just in it to, you know, mess with her intentionally, but that he's probably not going to live up to what she's kind of open for yeah pretty much i don't know that he's necessarily playing a game of cat and mouse now she may get up get caught up in one between sean and him because of sean but i don't know that it's specifically his intent to do that okay so let's move into predictions for the end of the episode what uh who wants to predict things that probably won't come true (laughs) <laughs> that's the best kind yeah <laughs> I, I think I, I was just going to say I think I predicted all I wanted to predict with what I was saying when I did the chapter summary I, <laughs> I think there's going to be some kind of turn with Eland there might be a game between he and Sean that involves Vin you know not not that Eland wants to do that but that it will happen and you know there may be a whole like nobility philosophic philosophizer wow I can't even say <laughs> a word that has to do with philosophy correctly but there may be a whole group of these noblemen that are kind of thinking you know things could be different scar people right but i don't know that it's going to be enough to kind of get them to move and be active in any kind of rebellion in any sense okay that makes sense so maybe there's some noblemen that aren't you know quite as bad as the others but that doesn't mean that they want to overthrow the whole thing logical I think um, I think I predicted it a couple of episodes ago, but like Ellen, I think he's definitely more involved than we think. And now this encounter with Straff Venture as well, like House Venture, are pretty on top of what's going on. They know a lot more than what I think anyone was hoping that they would at this point. Mm. For Ellen to kind of link up with Vin, I don't know that he knows what role she plays. I think he he's probably genuinely fascinated, but there's definitely more to him than this I'm just going to do everything to piss off my father attitude. Like that's a really good front or a cover or something, but 
the the point about you know he came back really quickly after Vin had been through the books and you know maybe maybe they're at the point of trying to suss out like who's this new kid on the block she's part of house Renault. there's yet yeah, new movers in town yeah i think he's he it almost is shaping him up to have vin think that he is safe and that he's an ally but i definitely think he's on the other side of this and house venture and the lord ruler they already know a lot more that's going to happen that than we do but yeah he's just he's spying for the other side i think so you think this is all part of your other prediction about how the Lord Ruler can see the future and maybe already has things set up waiting? Yeah, maybe maybe like he can't see as far into the future as what I thought. Like they still need to find information, but I think Elland is definitely the guy on, on that end. I, I think um, Shana Lariel, she's, she's got her own issues with Elland, which is, you know, maybe she's just trying to find some blackmail on him or, or whatever. I don't think she's going to be as big a player in how this all pans out. But, yeah, Elland, I I would pin him as the spy for the other side. Okay. Attack, you get to go last again. <laughs> oh, sorry. This, all right, well, for the, for the absolute dumbass theory, which I don't believe this is true, but it just popped into my head while Jamie was talking then. I just sort of pictured while this is all going on, with the um, Scar Rebellion, like Ellen and his mates are actually forming the Nobleman's Rebellion, and then they'll all meet in the sewers, like in Monty Python's Life of Brian. They'll all fight. It's like, no, our cause is the most righteous. Um, that that just popped into my head out of nowhere. So, no, my my prediction at this stage is more like, she, like obviously she wants to Vin wants to keep hanging out with Ellen, and as a result of that, you know, he's going to invite her to sneak out, and maybe they'll go down to what was it, the Broken Quill, their little philosophy club and she'll yeah that is goes, yeah, that's what they said yeah so she'll probably uh, i think like there'll be a night where she will sneak out of the house and go with ellen down to there and you know ostensibly it's just going to be a whole bunch of people sitting around talking philosophy which sounds like the most boring night ever but it's uh, there's going to be something else going on there um i don't know pagan ritual of some kind maybe i don't know like this is this i i have no idea but like there's going to be something going down in this place under the front of being a boring philosophy and wine club uh there's actually going to be something <laughs> sinister going on under the surface there sure Her- heroin den right something like that <laughs> look maybe yeah, fantasy <laughs> heroin it'll have a, a weird name but same thing Everyone's just sitting around, like on the hookah pipe, and they're just and they're talking, <laughs> uh, talking philosophy. It's like the only reason we die is because we accept it as inevitability, or some bullshit. <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna, have, we're gonna have a whole thing at the philosophy club slash bar and, and grill yeah. or whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm I think when it. they get there. When they get there, there's going to be something under the surface, and it's going to be something a bit more sinister. Now I want to see a pagan ritual. You got me. You got my hopes up. <laughs> we know there's only one religion allowed, but maybe there's something, you know, hiding. They're going to burn an effigy. Maybe the Lord Ruler's religion has secret human sacrifices that we don't know about yet. Or maybe like they come from a, another religion that is like we worship the um, the Inquisitors. Screw the Lord Ruler. We want to elevate the spike faces <laughs> to the throne. <laughs> You know, the Lord Ruler Please. stays young by bathing in virgin blood once every three days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, okay. We have a couple of emails that I was going to read this week that we received. 
And now for the next segment, <laughs> the email bag. <laughs> uh, Listeners, please make a song for the email bag segment. <laughs> <laughs> Joe wants all sorts of products from the listeners. He doesn't want to have to pay hey, for any of this stuff. He wants you to give it to him for free. I mean, that's how that's how podcasts get songs, man. You're doing it for the exposure. Oh yeah. God, no! Don't get me started on. Ex- yeah, no, no. no. I, I follow the Choosing Beggars subreddit. I know how the exposure thing goes. Anyway, first email that we received is from. I, I, I apologize for making that joke. That was terrible. Uh, yes. I. If I don't pronounce the name right, forgive me. It's spelled N-A-A-V-A, so I want to say Nava. And uh, I also don't know if it's if it's uh, if it's a male or female name since I've never seen the name before. But the little avatar is it looks female, so I'm going to call it a girl. So I apologize, Nava, if I also get that wrong. But she says, "Hey, wanted to let you all know that I'm really enjoying your journey through Mistborn. I like your predictions, as they are a hilarious mixture of wow, that's accurate, you almost got it, and haha, not even close." <laughs> also, if I remember That's correctly, just what we were going for. Exactly, right? It, it totally fits. If I remember correctly, Dak, Jamie, and Joe all made at least one accurate prediction, and I'm looking forward to your reactions when you get to those parts. And then, by the time we get there, we'll probably will have forgotten. I, I, it's it's probably true, but I'm hoping that like if you guys have made some you know big story changing predictions that turn out to be accurate, we'll get there and you'll be like, holy shit, I was right. I'm, I'm hoping for a good reaction if uh, if and when that happens. Yep. Uh, and then there's a PS at the end of uh, the email addressed specifically to me that says, did you explain to them the meaning of the title of the podcast? Or are you waiting for them to experience it firsthand? Oh. Uh, so d- does anyone feel like they have gotten an explanation of what a uh, the Sander Lanch is? Didn't you tell us it was just because he releases so many books like so frequently and like it just feels like an avalanche of books coming out of this guy? I did not tell like you that. that. Because I could have sworn you did. That would have been wholly inaccurate if I had said that, which means, of course, that I would never say it. Uh, because I am, I am <laughs> okay, known well, far and wide. I, 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 I swear I remember you saying that, so if you didn't, then I must have imagined it, in which case I'm way off the mark. Ignore me. <laughs> well, is it because we'll want to read all of his stuff because it's like an avalanche of deliciousness? <laughs> Are you eating that. the book? I'm going to take that as a no. You guys uh, do not feel like you've been given an explanation of what the Sanderlanch is. We will get there, and I'm uh, hoping for an excellent reaction uh, when I uh, when we address that. I won't go any further into that. Thank you for so your question, Nava. It allowed me to tease them even more. So don't Google <laughs> the Sanderlanch is what you're saying. You know, you could probably Google it. I think our podcast might show up. Hold on. Now no, I'm going to do it. One second. Sander. <laughs> not the Sandlot. Sanderlanch. Uh, well, of course, it uh, it probably knows me since it's my computer. But the first first thing that pops up is our podcast webpage, uh, and then a few other Cookies. things related to our mm, podcast, cookies. including the Twitter and the Facebook site, and something called Podtail. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, uh, there is one Reddit thread that pops up as the second result that says "When you hit the Sanderlanch," which is not related to us. And if you click that, would probably be a potential kind of spoiler. So. No, don't Google the Sanderlanch uh, is where we're going to land on that, I think. Okay. Uh, but thank you, Nava. That was uh, that that was a fun email for me. And the second one is from <laughs> Eli. And Eli says, hi, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm loving it. Thank you. My favorite thing is to ask my friends about all their thoughts, theories, and predictions. So this podcast is everything I love to hear about. And some of their theories are, truly are excellent work. 
they've heard that before from so many others, though, so perhaps don't let it go to their heads. I've also especially appreciated <laughs> listening to your podcast since I'm using it partially as a reread of the books since I've been busy rereading other books and don't have time to reread Mistborn, even though it's been so long that I need a refresher on it, especially in preparation for the release of Rhythm of War later this year. There's always another secret. Your fellow Sanders friend, Eli. So Rhythm of War, by the way, is book four in the Stormlight Archives coming out in November. In case anyone didn't know, I mean, you guys, obviously, the three of you don't know much about that, but I just meant audience in general. But uh, thank you, Eli. I I agree. It's one of my favorite things, too, is hearing people's thoughts and and as they go through these things for the first time, which is why there's a lot of a lot of people who read these books for the first time go to like the one of the Sanderson subreddits and they post their thoughts. And I love reading those so much that that was one of the inspirations. Like, we're going to do a podcast of this exact thing because it's so much fun to like hear these reactions. So I agree with you, Eli, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Those were the two emails we received. Thank you, Eli. Thank you, Nava. If anyone Thank you. else wants to send us things, email thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Uh, the Sanderlanch Facebook page, at the Sanderlanch on Twitter. We have all sorts of avenues that you can speak to us, yell things at us. Also, please like us on Facebook. I think we've only got like 12 likes there so far. Oh, yeah. Totally like us on Facebook. We've gotten a few Twitter likes, which is nice. You guys are cool. Thanks for liking and following and uh, things of that nature. Thank you for uh, indulging our crazy ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> Music by Miracle of Sound. Check it out. I've just been uh, I've been looking into songs for uh, the next things that we will be doing. The next thing on the schedule will not actually be, in case anyone's wondering, the next uh, book in the series. It's going to be a short story is what I have planned. Oh. Okay. Uh, Ooh. That... Uh, the short story actually takes place before this book. It's it's a little bit about Kelsier and his master, who trained him. So anyway. Oh cool. yeah yeah that guy he mentioned once and we haven't spoken of since. So anyway, that's uh in, I've gotten a couple of questions in email that I didn't read on here that were just like hey, can you tell me what your overall plan is so that I can follow along or whatever. And so that's why I thought I would mention it at this point. What's coming up next? Even though it's nine more weeks before we're done with what we're doing now. Uh, but anyway thank you thanks everybody for listening and uh we will see you next week for chapters 20 and 21 of mistborn the final empire see you then giving you all a chance to be like bye oh right, good, sorry <laughs> bye. Say, well, say let's, bye, let's, let's do it now yeah it's like say good night joe good night you, you didn't you didn't do the joke where i'm like say good night joe and you're like good night joe it's the oh. classic like okay do, oh, do, it, do it again do it again <laughs> do it again do it again team me up here we go <laughs> say good night joe good night joe <laughs> okay it wasn't funny <laughs> I was hoping after I was hoping after I teed it up for you, you'd actually take it in a different direction and be like, "No, you say good night, Joe," or you know something. But uh, you, you just did exactly <laughs> no, you what I up. asked for. So.
That was what <laughs> how dare you do exactly do. what I tell you to do? Yep. Yeah. How, anyway. how dare I act in the way that I was told to by the director of the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> okay, okay, I'm stopping the recording now.